We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. Just a couple more of these left for 2023. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you, as always, for locking in, whether you're listening to this in audio podcast form, whether you're watching this on YouTube. Appreciate you all very much. I am joined here just a couple days removed from Christmas, as usual, by my good friend, Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. Uh, Before I bring you in, Anthony, I'm worried right now. This is like take three. Um, Sometimes when we do these remotely, uh, the computer or the internet has a mind of its own. So hopefully I don't have to restart this again. Anyway, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Enjoy hey, your- man. Merry Christmas. Yeah, you too, man. It was, um, how was your Christmas? It was great. You know what? It's, um, you know, there's so much anticipation, so much planning. I mean, my wife does like 95% of it, but you know, you get to that point where it's just, you, you have the holiday. It's great. And then those couple of days after the holiday, you can really enjoy in a way, right? It's almost kind of underrated of just like, hey, you know, think back, kind of, you know, talking, telling stories about, you know, what happened over Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, but just so much more relaxed than uh, than the time leading up to it. To me, that's always uh, a nice little downtime. That's, that's a good point. It is, uh, as a parent, well, maybe not even as a parent, I guess if you have a significant other and you're trying to get them a good gift and you just want to have a, a great Christmas form, kind of like a wedding you know the lead up to it all can be it's exciting but it can be really stressful as well and then it kind of feels like the moment that you wait and you plan for for a long time it just seems to be bam you know gone in uh in the blink of an eye but it was enjoyable for you man you enjoyed it yeah it it was enjoyable we were you know we were with family the entire time we you know spent time with my family my wife's family so you know you do all of that the the kids are with their cousins and you know, you're, you're playing games, you're having fun, you're watching lots of football, basketball. Like, I mean, it was a great, call it long weekend of, of sports on television to be able to, to enjoy too. So, you know, for our family, that's always kind of a big piece and and obviously a big bills win on Saturday night too. Yeah. Did you have a specific highlight like a Christmas? Well, it was like a Christmas Eve. Was there like a, a, a really fun specific moment? 
you know what? I you know I will give credit to my my niece. She's like, I don't know, she's probably like twenty five years old now. She lives out in California, but was back for Christmas, and she's just creative and fun. And she put this thing together for uh, for Christmas morning. We did like this Christmas Olympics. So, you know, there was like 12 of us, we divided into two teams, you know, in one group, it was like, oh, you've got this box with all these ping pong balls in the back and you've got to, you know, dance and shake. It's like you against somebody else to get them out of, you know, once all the ping pong balls are out, that person won that part of the competition or some candy cane race. Or then there was something where, you know, they've got like cotton balls to look like snow and you're trying to, you know, you're putting cups on your hands and who can pick up the most and, 30 seconds. So, you know, you think of stuff like that. And especially as your kids get older, as your nieces and nephews get older, uh, just to have some fun. She like got prizes for all of it. You know, we're one of those families, whether it's like, you know, during the summer, you're competing, playing cornhole or can jam or ladder ball or something like that. It's just, there's always some sort of competition going on, but she really, uh, she raised the stakes for everybody. And it was a ton of fun on Christmas morning, kind of before, you know, you really got going with, you know, the day of food and everything that goes into that. So that, that is, um, that is ultra cool. By the way, if you're watching this on the video side, like my hands are here, they're like, they're up in the air. They're going to be behind my back. I am not touching this desk. I am completely scared that I'm going to knock my mic or, or camera loose if my finger even makes contact, uh, with the desk. Yeah. That's really cool. You know, this Christmas for me, it was, um, a lot more like, reflective and it was fun don't get me wrong it was a lot of fun we had a great time but it was a lot more also reflective for me christmas eve uh christmas day i, I think we talked about this last week like kind of like our family traditions yeah. for christmas eve and christmas eve or christmas day christmas eve is like the big family gathering we went to my sister-in-law's house and we do like the um the ten dollar gift i forgot what it's called but you know like the, the secret santa you didn't make it yeah, you know. yeah right 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 so you know that's become a tradition now and that's a lot of fun. And I think it was like 31 people who did it. So that tells you how many people were actually in this house. And uh, like I said, I just, you don't take, I, I try to not take moments for granted like that anymore, because I think back just to the last couple of years, last year in Buffalo, you had a blizzard. So nobody got together for Christmas. Um, two years ago, a handful of people had COVID that couldn't make it. And, you know, so that wiped like the whole family's out. They didn't want to take chances. So the, the gathering was much more uh, sparse, sparse. And then 2020 was obviously COVID. So nobody really got together in large groups during that time. So this was like the first time in since like 2019 that we had the full family gathering. And I really kind of soaked that moment in. And then Christmas morning itself. So Christmas morning has always been, my wife and myself, my son who lives with us, and then my daughter who's she's 25 and she doesn't live with us anymore, but she comes over for Christmas. And then we open up, you know, the immediate family, our gifts and stuff. And I think back to like, I'm enjoying them this year and just thinking back to a year ago, like a, a year ago from right now, my son was single. So he, he wasn't with anybody. And my daughter was in a relationship with somebody else. And then you fast forward a, a full year later, my sister, uh, or my sister, my daughter, my daughter has a boyfriend that she's been with for a while. They're in a pretty, you know, relatively serious relationship. My son has a girl that he met last year on new year's Eve. So he's been with her for a full year, her first Christmas. I was just thinking in my mind, like how much has changed just watching the gifts being open in just one year. And it was really cool, man. Like my son's girlfriend was all emotional. Just it was like kind of all overwhelming for her. 
yeah. so the gifts were cool, but like just how much changes in just like one year really kind of struck me. And like I said, I was just kind of being reflective and and just taking that all in. You know, one thing I was going to ask you, and I was a little disappointed because I didn't hear from you. Uh, obviously, things kind of took off on Thanksgiving Day when you sent me a picture of your plate from Thanksgiving dinner, <laughs> which looked like something that uh, someone in solitary confinement might enjoy um, <laughs> on Christmas on uh, Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. You know, what what was the plate like on on Christmas? Do you do you expand a little bit, or is it still uh, you know biscuits, turkey, and gravy, and that's uh, and that's it? Let me be completely honest with you. Nothing really funny story, true story though. So we did shopping so much Christmas shopping a couple of days before Christmas got breakfast stuff, all kinds of stuff. You know what we forgot to buy anything like really for dinner, like any kind of like significant, like, you know, like ham or, or pasta or Turkey or whatever it is that you're going to make for like a sit down Christmas dinner. We never got anything. And we were going to go to my, uh, my in-laws house, but that, that, that didn't end up happening. Plus, to be fair, my wife w was starting to feel a little bit under the weather. If you remember last week, I was feeling shitty. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of got around to my wife. But it is hilarious because late Christmas Eve night at like nine o'clock, knowing everything's going to be closed Christmas Day, we were going to like convenience stores. Like I, I talked to a guy into opening up his deli at a convenience store to slice me up some, some Cajun turkey and some ham because I was like, we're going to be probably having sandwiches. For, for dinner but my wife ended up going to her parents i didn't go and i ended up going out to meet with um some buddies a couple who were from out of town so we went out and had a couple of drinks but actually no christmas dinner so no prison pictures to uh <laughs> that, that's worse that's worse than the thing we we gotta next year we're, we're gonna mark this down if i'm still doing the show with you if you still if you're still having me we we gotta we got to work on this uh, a little bit. <laughs> we'll get like you and Howard Simon together. He can try a strawberry. And you can try like yeah. I don't know, mashed potatoes or something crazy. Here, so. <laughs> That's fair. Um, it's Christmas mode. Like, all right, so we're taping this. What is today? Wednesday. My days are messed up because Christmas is on a Monday and it felt like a Sunday. So my days are kind of off a little bit. So we're taping this Wednesday. We're dropping this Thursday, which is our norm. This is what we usually do here on Talking Buffalo when I have Anthony on each week. Um. So we're a handful of days now removed from Christmas, 48 hours, be 72 by the time this drops. Are you still like in, in Christmas mode? I know how you talked about relaxing a little bit after the holiday, but is like Christmas still on for you or is this like done? Now, and then trust me, like the decorations are still up. The tree mm. looks great. All of those things. But now it's almost like you feel like you have a little bit of the time to relax and almost enjoy it. Yeah. But, but with that, it's like, yeah, there's, you know, there's no more Christmas music there's no christmas movie that it's like oh i need to watch this like we're we're good you know not to get all bill belichick on you but like i'm i'm, I'm on to january. i'm on to january <laughs> not even like i'm not even a new year's guy it's just like what's next yeah i i completely hear you on that i'm my mode is this and yeah it is nice like it's still kind of like a little more relaxing than normal because a lot of people are still off of work you know and things are just wrapping up for the year but the minute I would say the minute I was done eating Christmas dinner, but I didn't really have any real Christmas dinner. But the minute I'm done eating my sandwich or whatever it is before I go out for a beer or two, Christmas mode's over for me. Like the moment I eat Thanksgiving dinner, I'm like, give me all the Christmas music. Give me all the movies. Give me all the yeah. TV specials. Put the trees up. Shine the lights. I'll go look at light festivals. I'll do all that stuff. But the minute I eat Christmas dinner, that's it for me. Like, I don't need to see another 
Christmas. I'm not going to watch a Christmas movie. I'm not going to, you know, voluntarily listen to Jingle Bell Rock or anything like that until it becomes like next Thanksgiving. Like I'm done with that. Like I'm not, not the green, you know, I'm not Scrooge. I might, I haven't taken down my, my, my shit yet around the house. The tree's still up. Decorations still up. That will come down though. Probably late afternoon, New Year's day. When do you take your stuff down? You know what? And I, and I say this too. I mean, usually it's somewhere just after new year's day, but it kind of depends on when the holiday falls, like what we have going on. Like last year, it's like, you know, my daughter, you know, she's in middle school. She had like some friends over. So, you know, we still had this stuff up then that, you know, maybe that day on new year's Eve, we would have taken stuff down. So there's not like a, uh, you know, there's not like a tradition or a plan with it. It's usually more just like, a, okay, we got to do it and let's just, yeah kind of suck it up so yeah. yeah it was a good well put it this way it was a good christmas we we both enjoyed our christmas hopefully everybody watching and listening had some fun as well it was a very good christmas for the buffalo bills and not just that day but for also for their playoff fortunes um bottom line is this at, at this point you know i think back to a couple of weeks ago i think the bills were like maybe 15 percent or something like that in the new york times to make the playoffs after that philly game and now they're sitting there, quite frankly, uh, really pretty. You know, they're obviously they got to handle business. And we'll be talking Bills New England here shortly, do our, you know, our preview and our predictions like we do every week. But uh, assuming the Bills can handle business against New England, we're all big Baltimore Ravens fans because if the Ravens beat Miami, incredibly, week 18, Buffalo and Miami isn't just going to be for the AFC East. It's going to be for the number two seed in the AFC overall. So you're talking potentially at least two home playoff games. So just to think how much things have changed in a few weeks, the position that Buffalo's in right now, and even if Miami wins, the Bills probably are going to be locked into the sixth seed if that happens, assuming the Bills make the playoffs. But we might not even get to week 18. It's feasible that the Bills could actually clinch a playoff spot by around 5, 6 o'clock on, uh, on Sunday. Big turnaround, man. Oh, it's a huge turnaround. I mean, you think the last couple of weeks, I mean, it's been to the point of just like, okay, you're grappling with the thought of if the Bills lose this game, the season is over, right? Sure. Like the playoff chances are are over. Any of these past three weeks, and, it, you know, I get with certain things, you could say like, oh, you know, the Dallas game because it's NFC is not that important, whatever. But still, a win is a win, right? Like overall wins and losses is still what is most important. So when you think to that of almost like, okay, you're starting to set yourself up for the disappointment and just like, hey, maybe that's it. Maybe I don't have to worry about those January weekends and like what we have going on or looking at the playoff schedule to now just three weeks later. And you're just thinking to yourself like, okay, you're talking about the two seed. Like the two, huh. before it was just even just make the playoffs. Now sure. the fact that it's even a conversation about it is kind of surreal. It really is. And, you know, it, it's... Everything kind of broke with, with the exception of Dallas. Dallas, you know, blew it at the end of the Miami game. But besides that, everything else over the last like two weeks is, has really went Buffalo's way, kind of like a, a Christmas gift. And we'll talk about that Chargers game. But yeah, for people, again, to refresh, the Bills could be as high as the number two seed. And um, that's a, a two versus seven first round matchup. That's a, if you win that game, that's a guaranteed divisional round game. And then depending, the number one seed, which, by the way, there's no mystery there. So if Buffalo was the two, that means Baltimore would definitely be the one because they would beat Miami. So, you know, if Baltimore stumbled in a divisional round, 
the road through the Super Bowl could actually go through Orchard Park, which is just crazy to think where we were a uh, a few weeks ago. On the flip side, like I said, if Miami does beat Baltimore, the Bills, for all intents and purposes, are, are, are almost, I don't want to say completely, but they're pretty much locked into the sixth seed, which would be, almost certainly would be a matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. They're not a very scary team right now, but they are the defending Super Bowl champions, and you got to figure at some point maybe Mahomes and, and Kelsey and this offense gets their act together. But, yo, the Bills have went there three straight years now, and they've won, and it should have been four. We all know about 13 seconds. So, yeah, you know, the, the, everybody was saying nobody wants to play the Bills in the playoffs. I think that's true, and that's not us being homers, man. That's being objective. Nobody wants to play this team right now. It is uh, It is such a crapshoot in the AFC. You can say that about the Bills, and I think there's a lot of other teams that are saying that about themselves too, right, when you think of the AFC. And it's just, uh, you know, the Chiefs aside, the, the Ravens are feeling confident. The Dolphins are feeling mm -hmm. confident. The Cleveland Browns are feeling confident, right? Like it is such a, a weird structure for where things are and where we thought it would be at the – you know, the beginning of the, the season. But again, I, I'm still kind of wrapping my head around to the fact that, yeah, the two seed is a real possibility. Yeah. And again, you, you need to get some help, right? Like, and I Not guess that part, you know, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. Like, listen, I don't, you know, can the Ravens beat the Dolphins? Absolutely. Can the Dolphins beat the Ravens? Absolutely. Like there, there's no part with that. It's a little bit of a, you know, a coin toss. And I will say this as much as, of course, I would love for the bills to get the two seed right now. I'm just like, just get in. And we've said sure. that before. Like when we've talked in the past, putting so much pressure on getting the one seed and home field advantage and this and that right now, I'm just like, just get in. If you get in, I'm still going to feel just as confident as I would if they were the two seed and playing at home. Very fair. I just, I can't help, but be amazed if not befuddled, that we think of last year as the Bills ultimately were the two seed last year. And then this year, all the shit that they've went through, the downtimes, firing an offensive coordinator, losing some games that they had no business losing, being six and six, and they might end up at the end of the day being the same thing that they were last year. It, it just blows my mind. And uh, well, it just stems from winning last week because they had to handle business. And I'll tell you, I listened back to a lot of our preview last week bills chargers and i don't even want i don't want to say i hate to say you were right and i was wrong because i don't hate saying it but you were right and i was wrong i mean you took that game significantly more serious than i did i had the mindset of this team's caught fire they have found themselves just show up and and you're gonna handle business and uh I definitely got ahead of myself last week because in hindsight, and it's easy to sit here and, and have hindsight, of course, but all the elements for a trap, we hear that term all the time, man, trap game. Yeah. Like all the elements were there, all of them, man, all of them. You're playing a team that had zero to lose, a team that fired their head coach and their GM the week before. So they were playing loose. Again, nothing to lose, a short week, a trip to the West Coast on a short week. Like, um, all the elements were, and plus the bills just haven't been that good on the road for the most part this year. So it's like all the elements were there and I didn't, I just, I refuse to, <laughs> I refuse to look at them. I think, man. 
Well, but again, it was one of those you're coming off of the victory over the Cowboys. It was completely understandable. And let's be honest, I still predicted a 31 to 20 victory. Like I still predicted something relatively comfortable, but I just was very cautious. And you know what it reminded me of with a lot of fans, a lot of content creators, even some media members to the, the first game against the Patriots earlier in the year. People gave the Patriots no chance in that first matchup when the Bills went out to Foxborough. And it was just like, I'm, I just did not feel that comfortable at that time, even though I thought mm-hmm. the Bills would win. Like, it was just weird how some people had just were completely writing off the Pats. And this week, some folks completely writing off the Chargers. And it's just, you know, one of those scenarios where you just think to yourselves, like, okay, you know, it comes down. You've got to make a play on offense. You do. Tyler Bass makes a kick. Ed Oliver makes a play on defense. And you get to go home. And it's just like one of those that I think is so much different. And so many folks have said it early in the season. If you win a game like that, you're down on the team. It's like, what's wrong with the bills? This shouldn't be happening, blah, blah, blah. Now it happens in week 16. It's just like they won. I don't care by how many points. I don't care if it was pretty. You know what? Nobody really got injured. They won the game. You're on to the next one. And look at the playoff prediction percentage, whatever calculator you use, 90 some percent like we're good. It's like we said last week, March Madness, survive in advance. That is it. And right now, it's just survive in advance. I think the most simplistic yet overlooked aspect of sports, and especially the NFL, that on the surface just seems so obvious, but we just continue to always look past is the simple fact that it is hard to win in the NFL, and especially on the road. It is never easy to win in the NFL. And especially on the road, if there would have been now, at least publicly, you are significantly more uh, even keeled than I am. I mean, I'm completely lose my shit and I do it here in public on the show sometimes. So I think you can only imagine if there was like a hidden camera in my house watching this game in the third and fourth quarter, how intense I was like, what was your mindset watching that game? And we tried, like I said, you know, you tried to stay even keel here and, and and respect the opponent. But man, they're the Chargers. You got to win the game. I can, Im- I, I think I can imagine what your house was like watching that game in the second Well, I'll, I'll say this, right? So it's like we were at my sister's house for most of the day doing Christmas celebration with them. So it's like you get home in time, miss the very beginning of the game, but like listening on the radio on the way home. So you're not missing too much. Um, And then as you're just kind of watching, it's just like, okay, you're letting them hang around, but you've made some mistakes, and I feel like Buffalo is okay. And I will be honest, Pat, I thought of you when James Cook fumbled the ball, right, where it's just like, okay, you fumble the ball in your own territory. The Chargers are going to score to go up. Are they going to score a touchdown? Are they going to score a field goal? And I'm like, remember when Pat asked me, like, what percentage of my Christmas would be ruined if the Bills lost this game? And I said 0% chance. I go, God, I hope I don't have to figure out what what percentage <laughs> it really is, right? Because I was, I was stewing right there. I really was. And at that point, it's like we were getting up to travel the next morning. So everyone else had already gone to bed. And it's just me watching the game by myself and just pacing. Right. Cause that's like my thing now. It's like I will pace back yeah. and forth. And it's like, okay, that happened. They got the stop pretty quick. Chargers got the field goal. So it's just like, okay, you got to march down. 
And once he got that third down completion to uh, to Stefan Diggs, I felt pretty good. Like, okay, you know, you get that first down on third and eight, big catch, especially for Steph, right? Because things were a little bit off with with him. Not sure, like you know, playing through injury, whatever it may be. But it was just a lot of pacing, and then it was just relief. But it was one of those games where, again, you you know, it's the holiday. You're like, hey, if it's 35 to 10 and I can sort of be like starting to doze off before this one's over, that's fine. No, instead you're like tense, your adrenaline is going, and it's like the game ends and you just take a deep breath and you're just sort of like, okay, survive in advance. That's it. For for me, the, the, the singular moment of the game that sent me into complete psychopath mode was uh Deontay Hardy fumbling. That that play that 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 made me lose my shit. Quick story, true story too. So I had friends over for that game. It was Saturday the 23rd. We called it a my son's birthday. So it was Shane's birthday slash a little bit of poker, although we didn't end up playing any poker during the day. Christmas gathering slash Bill's game, all this stuff. Had about nine, 10 people at the house. And I acted like I act in a tight Bill's game, you know, kind of got nuts. Christmas night, one of the guys who was at my house, who I've been friends with for a long time. However, he had never watched the Bills game with me before. We yeah. were at uh, Vinny's, I think it was, in, in West Seneca on Christmas night. And he goes, dude, you're a psychopath. I can't believe you were losing your shit. I can't believe how angry you are. I was like, he never had seen that side of me before, or at least over a football game. I was like, oh, sorry, sorry, man. Yeah, I was, I was, I was on, I was at 10, dude. I was at a 10. I was just losing my shit. But anyway, Bills won the game, of course. Two things from that game that really stick out for me is number one, and I understand why you and I, you yourself, me, myself, everybody, content creators, media, we always focus on the offense. That's what we do, you know, because the, the offense is always a story. Josh Allen's always a story. When if it's not that, it's the coaches, the coordinators, blah, 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 blah. The Bills defense saved the season in this game. I think the Bills defense saved, I mean, they lost the turnover battle three nothing and they kept holding the field goals. Um, this defense has turned the corner big time since that Philly game. And Sean McDermott is, to his credit, is just doing a really, really, really good job, not just as head coach, but as a defensive coordinator. And, and you mentioned Ed Oliver, because that's the guy I got to signal out. I thought he was an all-pro level player on Saturday, and he's been like that for a lot of the season. He's got eight and a half sacks, and it was always, you know, if Daquan Jones is out there, Ed Oliver could do some things. Ed plays great in stretches, and then he disappears at times. And that's kind of been the case with him. But not this year, man. This year from week one, I think, Ed Oliver has been a great player. I'd make a case that he might be the defensive MVP. And I might even be willing to, to hear a case from you that he might be the most consistently good player on the Buffalo Bills this season. He had two sacks, big one in, late in the game, too. I mean, what more can you say about this guy? Yeah, I mean, a great performance by him. And you think, right, he gets the contract extension in the offseason. Some people are scratching their head because it's sizable, not sizable in like, you know, being the top two or three paid defensive tackles in the league, but a major commitment from the Bills at a time when they were strapped for cash and they're going to be going into this offseason. If they had not signed him to that contract now, you probably need to fork over another seven to eight million dollars a year. Easy. Based on the level that he is playing at. You talk about the consistency and I do if I'm remember correctly maybe there was a little bit of a lull right And you think daquan jones goes out against jacksonville maybe like a couple weeks after that where it just seemed like gosh was ed oliver maybe a product 
of Daquan Jones. And again, I'm not remembering the specifics. Don't shout at your screen or your wherever you're listening or watching this, you know, to along those lines. But it just um yeah, he has been a difference maker. And I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you know, I was going back earlier today as kind of doing some prep for this conversation. You know, Ed Oliver was inactive um with an injury the first time that the Bills played the Patriots this season. So yeah. you know, when you talk about difference makers and consistency and performers and everything that goes into it and how disappointing that loss was, you're taking your defensive MVP off the field for it. So it's just a little bit, I think, when you you think back to what might be different in this game and not getting gashed against the run and blah, 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 everything you know that we can talk about. But that's one of those pieces. And you saw him finish the game on Saturday and he's going to make a big difference, I think, again on Sunday. You know what? That's a great point. I forgot about that. Ed Oliver did not play the first time uh, the Bills met the Patriots. Sure, that matters. Um. So anyway, yeah, he was great. And also, Rasul Douglas was great. What a great trade that has been. And, and Teron Johnson just continues to impress me week after week after week. So you got that. And then the other thing is the Gabe Davis conundrum, I guess, at this point. You know, for all my bad takes, and I've have more than a few, but I don't remember what it was. And trust me, nobody likes to, to hype themselves up more than me. So if I could find the clip, I would actually play it. But I know it's out there from one of my shows. I said, when Gabe Davis, one of the weeks, many weeks where he didn't do shit, I said, I don't care. It doesn't mean nothing to me. Stefan Diggs will get it. If he's getting his or Cook's running the ball or Kincaid's having a big game, I don't care. I said, you're going to need Gabe Davis at some point to step up. You know, these last two wins before this against uh, against Kansas City and against Dallas, Gabe Davis literally did nothing. And then this game, they needed him four catches for 130 yards and a touchdown. I don't you don't want your wide receiver two to go weeks without having zero, you know, without having a single catch. But this is what I was talking about with this offense. Doesn't matter who gets it done. Just get it done. And on this night. It was Gabe Davis, and he might do nothing on Sunday, but it might be a playoff game against Kansas City or or whoever, and you're going to need him to do what he did. And it's nice to know that it's out there for him to be able to do. Yeah, it's one of those that you can look at. Had a good game against the Eagles, right? Yeah. Then a stretch where it's just like, okay, where is he? But along those same lines, it's like you need something that defensive coordinators can look at and say, okay, we can't take this guy for granted. And that's what Saturday night was, right? So if you're planning, and you know, with the the Patriots, whatever it's going to be, if they try to eliminate Stefan Diggs from the game or whatever, you know, whatever Belichick, the genius, right? Like tries to tries to to scheme up. Um, it's always so funny too, right? Because everyone gives Belichick like, oh, Belichick, he, you know, does what he can to take away the team's number one weapon. Like every other coach in the freaking NFL, just like. Oh shit! Like I never oh, thought that. Like maybe we that. should try to stop Stephon <laughs> Diggs from doing something. Like, but uh, you know, I think as we look at it, to see Gabriel Davis flashing at this stretch, like you don't need him to be crazy, right? But even if he can be, hey, three catches for forty-eight yards during each of these games to be that threat, Dalton Kincaid to continue to be a threat, like just to have that balance is necessary. So. And I'll be honest, too. I was just happy for Gabe Davis, right? I mean, the guy's a captain by all accounts, works his ass off, everything that he does. You know, he does things the right way. And, uh, you know, he's not looking to struggle like that 
that either, right? When you talk about it, that's got to be bothering him. His mom was on Twitter saying different things like just good for Gabe Davis because he is, you know, kind of been in the crosshairs for a lot of folks lately. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. I'm back here with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. All right, Bills Patriots here. So the New England Patriots coming to town on Sunday. This is a team that has won just four games this season. They're four and eleven, and you look at that and you're like, okay, this is this is going to be a cakewalk. But then you look at the Patriots a little bit deeper and you say, hey, this is a team that did, they beat the Buffalo Bills this year. Um, this is a team that a week ago went into Denver. And effectively ended Denver's season, you know, 26 to uh, to 23. Bailey uh, Zappi threw for 256 yards and two touchdowns. And I was looking up some numbers, you know, when they're 4-11. and 11, Seven of their 11 losses this year have been by one score. So they're not getting blown out a lot. Um, they haven't lost by two scores since they lost by 14 against Miami, which was literally two months ago in late October. So this is a team that their record might suck, but they've beaten the bills. They, again, they ended it a team that was desperate for a win last week. They effectively ended their season. They played a lot of teams close. There's a team with no stars though. And that's the thing I was like, here's another day. I was looking up. No running back on this team has more than 620 yards on the season. No receiver has more than 45 catches. Which, by the way, if you know it's Demario Douglas that leads the team in receptions, congratulations, because I did not know that until an hour ago. No one has more than 520 yards receiving. Uh, Christian Barmore is a stud. Eight and a half sacks a tackle. But no one else on this team has five sacks. No one has three interceptions. So there's not a lot of stars on this team, and the record sucks. But th they're still a pretty competitive football team at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, listen, they, they are still competing for as dismal as their season has been from a wins and losses standpoint they have they have not given up and bill belichick has not given up and who knows if he will be the head coach next season what that will look like just there there's a lot of different storylines here but at least it is a team playing with 
with a sense of pride. And whatever connection you want to make to Mac Jones being benched and Bailey Zappi taking over at quarterback, what that piece can can mean and how that can contribute. Um, but in no way should you ever look look past the Patriots. You just should not. And I'm not going to this week either. Uh, I hope the Bills don't, right? I mean, the Bills get the advantage this week of a little extra rest. I mean, both teams traveling from the sure. West Coast, but uh, the Bills playing on Saturday gives them a little bit extra time when you had Denver playing on a Christmas Eve night. But, yeah, this is one of those games that personally it just kind of scares the hell out of you because we can say in so many scenarios that the Bills have played down to their competition in some way, shape, or form. And now you've got a team – I mean, the Patriots should want to lose, right? Like, I mean, they're screwing things up. They screwed things up by beating the Broncos the other day. Yeah. You know, from a draft standpoint, like, yep. you are you are out of this, but they are not looking to pack it in. And this is a, you know, a type of team that you can say is, is dangerous. Star power or not, they can let, be dangerous. Let, let last week's win against Denver, by the way, unrelated to this preview here, but let that be a lesson for people who think that teams tank. I mean, once maybe once in a blue moon, I'm not going to say no team has never tanked, but the Patriots ain't taken because they were in position to get one of the two guys who are going to be the top two quarterbacks in the draft. They were in position to get one of them, and now they're not. So, you know, winning that game cost them, and I'm sure there's a lot of Patriots fans out there. And if I was a, a Patriots fan, I probably would have been pissed off at that win too. But what I'm saying is that it consider that evidence that this is not a team that's just looking to go out there and lose so that they can get one of the top two picks in the draft. Let last right. week be evidence. Because they beat a team that was desperate for a win to, to stay in the playoff race. Um, all the traps, or not traps, but all the elements are here. And there's here's a future, by future, I mean like maybe five, ten minutes from now, with spoiler when we get to predictions, where I say, you know, I'll be careful this team, respect this, respect that. But spoiler alert here, I'm not going to do any of that when it comes time to, to make our predictions. Probably did not learn my lesson from uh, – from last week, but when you look at the Bills' keys, I think to this game, the the most obvious one is to just don't get ahead of yourselves. You know, you're looking at it right now. So you win this game, and by the end of the afternoon, there's a good chance you're in the playoffs. Or you're scoreboard watching, and at least peripherally, you're watching that Miami because they're playing at one o'clock too. By the way, everyone out there, um, while the Bills are playing Miami and Baltimore, that game's also at one o'clock on Sunday. So. It's human, you know, nature to want to keep your eye on that score as well, because you know what the stakes are if you're a Buffalo Bill. So I, I guess the the biggest key, and I got three, but this is the biggest one to me. It's just the simplest one. Just don't get ahead of yourself, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I think that is. I mean, listen, that's safe and easy to to say, right? And I would sure. hope that this team, for what they've been doing this season, there there's nothing to to look ahead when it comes mm -hmm. to this, right? Because the Dolphins and Ravens will be playing at the same time. So it's not even one of those where, oh, well, that game's at one o'clock and you're playing at 425. So you know the outcome. It's just focus on, you know, the task in, in front of you. And, and again, I think when you talk about the Patriots and Bill Belichick, like this is not a team that you should be overlooking. I mean, you already lost to him once this season. So I hope that has provided enough of a sting that, you know, they don't need that that type of reminder you know and for people out there who are wondering the bills to clinch a playoff spot would get in if they win and jacksonville loses to carolina which it's just that's not happening 
That's not happening. But Cincinnati, well, so two of the three, I should say, happens. So even if that don't happen, Cincinnati's at Kansas City and yep. Pittsburgh is at Seattle. If Pittsburgh and Cincy lose on the road to teams that are favored to beat them, the Bills will be in the playoffs. Both those games are at 430. So the earliest you're going to know that the Bills are in the playoffs for sure is at 730. But like I said, let's not look past the Patriots here. Um, another key too, the only scenario where I could see the Patriots having a lot of success is, is potentially running the football. So to me, a key is just don't let Stevenson and, and Zeke Elliott get going. Shut that run down. Make Bailey Zappi throw the football to beat you because I know, again, I know Matt Jones did it earlier in the season, but this is an Orchard Park. There's a, the stakes are different. The whole, this team is different. I feel like they're not going to beat you throwing the football, but they can hurt you running the football and playing strong defense. Well, and a big difference, uh, and we touched on it earlier, you know, Ed Oliver playing this game, a possibility of Daquan Jones playing in this game, and Real well. Joseph playing in this game. So, you know, at that time, that was before that move had been made. So, you know, you look back at the snap counts, I think uh, at defensive tackle, it was Tim Settle who was the uh, the leader with maybe playing around 70% of the defensive snaps uh, the last time these two teams played. So, you know, as you look at this, and that's uh, – listen, I'm not one to knock anybody, but, you know, that's not the guy that should be leading your team in, in snaps at defensive tackle. So, you know, if you've got Ed Oliver and Linval Joseph and potentially even a little bit of Daquan Jones, right, maybe kind of easing his way back into things – um, I like the Bills' run defense better this time around sure. than it was when they played back in October. Yeah, absolutely. And plus, again, uh, Sean McDermott is not stupid. He knows that's going to be New England's key. And then the last thing, and I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because, again, I have been the guy who keeps saying I don't care who gets it done on offense. It could be James Cook pounding the football, Ty Johnson, Leonard Fournette running the football. It could be Dalton Kincaid having a big game. It could be Gabe Davis stepping up and having a big game. So at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter as long as the offense is being effective. But to me, a key is because you're going to need Stefan Diggs. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with Stefan Diggs having four catches for 28 yards. I promise you that. At some point, you need Stefan to do what he does. And this just feels to me like it's not the end all be all for a key to this game, but it would be nice for Stefan Diggs to get going. Look, he's got 96 catches on the season, 1,038 yards and eight touchdowns. Those numbers are good. For anyone else, those are great numbers. It's going to end up being one of the best three or four seasons in the history of the Buffalo Bills, single seasons for receivers, which he owns them all. But, you know, you kind of take a little, you know, you, you get underneath the hood a little bit here. He's only had, he's been held to under 35 yards receiving in five of their last six games. He hasn't had more than six catches. You'd have to go all the way back to the Tampa game in late October. And he hasn't had a 100-yard receiving game since the New York Giants game on Sunday Night Football. That was pretty early in the season. So this would be a good week, a fun time to get Stefan going into what's going to potentially be a winner-take-all game next week against Miami. Yeah, you know, it's interesting as you say that too because I was thinking the most important thing for me was for the passing game to start clicking a little sure. bit here, right? These last three games, it has not been exactly what you want it to be. You know, some moments against Kansas City, some moments against the Chargers, didn't need to against the Cowboys. So right. you sort of look past that. But even when they tried to, wasn't great. A bunch of drops on some limited opportunities, this and that. 
you know, and, and I think you can say it's like, okay, well, is that Diggs gets things going? Is it Allen gets things going? Whatever it is, right? Like to have one of those games where it's just the passing game feels like it's working. And I'm not saying, oh, it's got to be 300 yards or this many. Pa- I don't, I don't care about that stuff. We're just like, it's a point of like high precision. You see some guys being schemed open, not where everything is this contested in traffic. You get blown up after making the catch, like just for the passing game to look a little bit more comfortable this week because of the last three weeks, it is, uh, it is not. No, it hasn't even come close. Has it needed to because they've run the ball relatively effectively, obviously, especially against Dallas. And look, can they get away with Stefan Diggs having four catches for 29 yards this week and still win? Absolutely they can against the Patriots. Maybe that passing game gets going the following week against Miami because probably going to need to at that point. But anyway, it's something... Maybe it's not even a key. It's something that I just personally want to see. I also want to see Dalton Kincaid start to get back to being productive. It's only been a couple games since Dawson Knox has been back, and maybe it's just coincidence, but his production has slipped big since uh, since Dawson has come back. Anyway, all right, well, prediction time. What do you got, man? 28-17 Bills, um, you know, kind of along those same lines. It's a, it's a good win not as comfortable as you would like it to be, but just one of those that you look at and, you know, maybe it's that type of scenario where like, Hey, in the fourth quarter, you're up 21, 17, you need a drive, you go down, you score a touchdown, just sort of put things away and, and feel good about things. So that's, that's where I'm going to go with this one. I'm going to go 40 to 13. They're not messing around with you. All right. Let's go. (laughs) 40-13, man. They're not going to mess around with this team. They're going to get out early. They're going to shut the run down. They're going to score, and, and they're going to smack Bill. And one of the big headlines after the game is going to be is Bill Belichick going into coaching his last game the following week. I think that's going to be a significant talking point. Uh, let, let me put you on the spot a little bit further because I there was no way that we weren't picking the Bills. Let's pick. We don't have to give a score, but what do you think happens? Two-part questioner, Miami-Baltimore, who wins that game? And do the are the Bills locked into the playoffs by the time Sunday night comes? Yes, the Bills will be locked into the playoffs, right? Because I look at those games, and it's not just a, oh, hoping for the best. Like, I'm expecting Kansas City to look more like Kansas City. Bengals kind of came back down to earth this past sure. week. So, yeah, I'll look at that. You know, the Steelers played well this past weekend, but again, along those same lines, they're traveling out west. You get a week of tape on uh, what's his name, Mason Rudolph, you know, to kind of check him out and see what's going on there. I like the Seahawks, right? Like they, they can do some things. So I don't think predicting both of those teams to win is a stretch. It's not, you know, I mean, hey, it's any given Sunday for a reason. So I'll I'll go with that, and I do think the Ravens will will beat the Dolphins. I think this Jalen Waddle injury um, that will have an effect on what they're doing. You know, listen, everybody's kind of banged up at this point. Of course, you know the Ravens have been without Mark Andrews for for weeks, but you know the Ravens are playing at home, and maybe if that game was in Miami, maybe I'd be more partial to the Dolphins. Um, but I think it'll be a close one. But yeah, I'll I'll go with the Ravens, and that's not even just like oh, that's what I hope will happen, like. Listen, the Ravens just smacked up the 49ers. They're going back home to play. Like, okay. I mean, like, I can I can see this. 
So yeah, I'll go with the Ravens. I am in complete agreement with you. I think the I, I think Seattle and um and Kansas City are going to win. I also like Miami and Fr- and I'm glad you said Jalen Waddle not playing because I think that is a huge factor for Miami on the road. Baltimore can lock this down, man. They they can they can take the number one seed with the victory over Miami. So it's not even just like a marquee matchup, and you could say, well, Lamar Jackson can maybe wrap up MVP with an impressive performance. That's individual shit. Being able to potentially lock down the number, not potentially, being able to lock down the number one seed with a win at home, I, I think we'll push him over the top. So I'm predicting that we are going to have one hell of a preview show in week 18 when Buffalo goes to Miami, man. Oh, woo! that's going to be, that's going to be a lot of fun. Wow. Well, and you have to think, right? If the Bills are playing at Miami with the number two seed, the AFC East championship Flex. on the line, right? It has to be flexed. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'll be honest. I'm not paying enough attention to what's going on in the, the NFC and other races that, you know, I don't know, like if there's something that affects the, you know, the Eagles or the Cowboys or something, right. something crazy like that. But I just don't know if there would be a, a matchup that would kind of be more high profile. It's a thousand percent. If this matchup is for the division and for the number two seed, it's a thousand percent that is going to be flex. Houston plays Indy a couple of weeks ago. I thought that could easily be a flexible game. It might end up being for the seven seed between those two. We'll see. But I don't know if they would know that until they play. So I don't know. But yeah, hundred percent. If the Bills play Miami, oh, uh, real quick before we get out here, two things actually. Number one, some a little bit of news early here before we started taping this. The Bills. To me, surprising to most, it doesn't sound like it was. But the Bills um, activated Kyrie Lam. It was This was the end of his 21-day window. I thought they might just keep him stashed on IR for the year. Uh, I don't think it's a big deal. But, you know, he's because he's the fourth corner. He's not, you know, like if somebody gets hurt, he's still not playing. Dane Jackson's the third corner. But it's at least noteworthy that they didn't stash him on IR and they played him. So, um. I guess that's one piece of news. And then it, we did a whole podcast. And we didn't even talk about Josh Allen. Isn't that crazy? Um, is he still in the MVP race, you think, with two games left here? I did a show on this yesterday. I wanted to get your opinion. If he's even in the you know, And, you know, so much with the MVP race, right? You look at the Vegas odds. You look at different things. He's still in the race. Like, there's enough people yeah. pounding the table for him. You know, even if you, you your know, dog, your Anthony's dog thinks, uh, <laughs> dog, you're crazy. Oh, it's like a Chris Baker used to be on my show every week and I'd get an appearance from his dog. She's, go, she's racing back and forth. You said Josh Allen. She must've gotten excited. <laughs> go ahead. But no, I think he's still in the MVP race, right? Sure. I mean, cause listen, these next two games, it is, there's such a recency bias that comes with it. I mean, heck three days ago, Brock Purdy was, you know, the MVP favorite lays an egg against the Ravens. And all of a sudden it's, oh, it's Lamar Jackson. Like, and not that Lamar wasn't part of the conversation, but who knows what can, can take place, right? I mean, Lamar can have a ho-hum game against the Dolphins. They can still win. Josh Allen can go nuts against the Dolphins in week 18. And, you know, that's the last regular season performance that you see. It is, um, yeah, it's just it's really interesting, right? Because we say it all the time. It's become a quarterback award. And, you know, going listen, Brock Purdy, by all accounts, having a great season, but I don't know that he's even the MVP on his own team. Sure. Right. To to Christian McCaffrey. And that's not a knock on him. And and like that's not a slight. Like I'm not saying that disparagingly yeah. against him. You know, Christian McCaffrey, you can argue, is the best offensive weapon 
in football. Tyreek Hill, you could have said the same thing. I mean, now with the injury kind of being, you know, missing a little bit of time, his that conversation has sort of gone down a bit, but no one has established themselves in any consistent way, right? I mean, it was Dak Prescott. They lose two games. Jalen Hurts, then they lose, you know, three out of four. Like all this stuff starts to happen. It's really fickle. And this might be one of those years where, you know, what are there, 50 voters that uh, that weigh in on this? Like the guy that wins might have like 11 votes. Like you could see it being so split between any of the guys that you talked about on yesterday's show, whether it be Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson or Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, Tua Tagovailoa, like, I, I don't know, like they can all just completely split things up that that the winner might not even have more than a dozen votes. You know, it doesn't sound like much because there's you say there's only two games left. Two, two games is like 12% of the season. I think it's a legitimate, right now, three-horse race. I think Lamar Jackson has the edge, but, you know, you go into this week on Sunday, and let's just say Baltimore wins, but they win 16-13. You know, and Lamar throws for 122 yards and a touchdown. His stats are not impressive this year. Like, he would have one of the worst statistical seasons of an MVP quarterback probably in 30 years, maybe even longer, if he were to win. But let's just say there's a scenario, Baltimore wins, Lamar Jackson does not have a good game, and he goes, all right, okay, week 18. Look, Josh plays really good on Sunday, and then he lights up Miami, and they get the number two seed. Josh Allen, a trillion percent, has a legitimate chance to win MVP. Or Tua lights up Baltimore. And then they still got something to play for in week 18, which by the way, for people who are wondering if Miami were to beat and, and clinch, they would clinch the division if they beat Baltimore, but they still had something to play for in week 18 because they'd be playing for the number one seed. So they're not going to rest Tua and Tyree Kill in week 18. Not when they got a chance to get a buy in the number one seed. Tua, anyway, my point is he lights up the bills. Tua's very much in this race. So I think it's a legitimate three horse race, but Josh Allen, and I'm not even being a homer. I'm just being objective here. 100% is still in this MVP race, I think. No, and I think to your point, you know, you say two weeks, you know, it sounds like it's not a lot of time, but it is, right? I mean, two weeks ago, Dak Prescott was the favorite. Sure. They get yeah. smacked by the Bills. They lose a close game to the Dolphins. Yep. And now he's not part of the discussion nope. anymore, right? It's like, gosh, it's, you know, it's a cold world. Like those, those two games do not, uh, you know, they don't eliminate everything that he had done through the first, however many, you know, 14 games he had played that it was this season. So it just, um, there has been that lack of consistency. So I'm not expecting it, but is he in the race? Absolutely. Yeah. And for sure. And we'll get, as we end the show here, we'll get some, we'll get some answers anyway, but doing all three of those guys, or maybe even Brock Purdy as well, uh, this coming Sunday, it'll be a lot of fun. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, make sure you follow Anthony on Twitter. What was this your score again? I can't remember anymore. 28-17. 17 Bills. I, I think he's uh I think he's giving the Patriots too much credit. <laughs> we'll find out. But anyway, for Ant, this is Patrick. By the way, happy new year. And again, hopefully next week. Best case scenario, man. We're talking about a juicy number two matchup. Worst case, uh, Bills might have to win and get some help to get in. Hopefully, it's not gonna come to that, though, man. Uh, you know what? I, I hope you're right, and it's just this. Just take care of business on Sunday and let's just look forward to week 18. But you know me, I can't get ahead of myself. Just like you said, the Bills can't get ahead of themselves. I'm going to try and keep that same mentality. That's fair. All right, guys, I'll talk to you. Brand new episode tomorrow. I'll talk to you then. 
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.